You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise. But if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing in the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, the new coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. it's Andy Greenwald! During these tumultuous last few days, how much time did you give to the thought that on Thursday when we recorded our succession pod, we we were like, go Sixers? Yeah. And then that po- that went up. Yes, Sunday night after the Sixers lost in Game Seven to the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't give it much thought at all until now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that is, I mean, it definitely puts Succession, frankly, in a different light right. for me. You know. Yeah. I wonder if Jared Mankin would be a, a good Sixers coach. Things matter, right? <laughs> to <laughs> quote both I, Shiv and Daryl Morey. <laughs> um, this uh, recording is being done on Tuesday, Andy, but it will mm-hmm. be released on Thursday. So uh, just a hi and hello to everybody listening. <laughs> Should we make some Wembenyana <laughs> predictions? Sure. That's why people come here. Yeah. Um, Andy, on today's docket, I wanted to talk to you a little mm-hmm. bit about the Bear Season 2 trailer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Justified coming back. I wanted to talk to you about Class of 09, yeah. the show on the Hulu network. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's on the FX network on Hulu. Sure. Um, maybe a little Barry. I think so. And uh, maybe a little Jury Duty. But okay. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, how are you doing? Good? I was pretty good. I, I want people to know that you, you're kind of looking at me the way Wally Shawn looks at Carrie Elways in that first scene of Princess Bride because... <laughs> well, right, it's very bright in here for some reason. But also right before we recorded, you were like, I don't know. You're basically like, I don't know how this is going to go chemically well, for me. no, I just forgot 
usually have two Nicorettes by this point in the day. Yeah. And I just decided, oh, I left my Nicorette in my car, but I'm not going to go running upstairs to get one. That just feels addictive, you know? Sure. Oh, I mean, God forbid. <laughs> and um, I don't want to be crippled by my yeah. my own sort of desires. So we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> I just remember there's like, we've been doing this for like almost 11 and a half years. And well, there was the episode that I almost started crying. There was the one podcast yeah. where you were like, that was a, that was a tough one. <laughs> I think I stopped it in the middle, didn't I? I don't think you did stop it. I think in retrospect, Kai and I should have stopped it. Yeah, that's right. You know, much like the well, third quarter checked me. of yeah. Game 7. Um, so that's exciting. Um, that's exciting for me that, that, that this, is, this could go. Also, this is our last one in person for a while. That's right. So uh, we'll be doing, we're going to make our best attempts. Well, we, we're going to mm-hmm. do Succession, the next episode of Succession together. I'll be recording that from international, not international waters, but international yeah. locales. And uh, by the way, I, I think it's sold out, but I would just mention that uh, I'm making an appearance with the Big Picture Gang at a screening of Phantom Thread on Saturday in London at the Prince Charles Theater. So that's very exciting. That's what I'm doing. You're making uh, an appearance. It's just, you're just, well, you're a cameo we're gonna status. They're going to screen Phantom Thread. Yeah. And then we're going to do like a, a meet and greet, like, like a talk afterwards. Um, but I don't think we're everyone. doing like a, pot, a full pot or anything like that. I think it's like we're going to do a little bit of a conversation. You're afterwards. just going to come press the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, see see if those UK antibodies are still strong within you. <laughs> That's right. I'm going back to the source. That's amazing. I think you should find the guy. <laughs> right? And dap him up. Just hunt him down. Um, I want to talk to you about The Bear. Okay. The trailer for The Bear Season 2 dropped yesterday being Monday. Mm-hmm. There was a very special... I think it's like, you know how when you watch like a rendering of what it looks like when a, when a star explodes. <laughs> okay. That's how I felt when they went from ACDC, if you want blood, you've got it, into REM Strange Currencies yeah. as the needle drops in that trailer. Yeah. And it hit me that, you know, obviously I love that show. We we talked to Jeremy Allen White and Evan Moss Backrack about it. I forgot, like, I not, it's not I forgot. There's like a special feeling that happens when you get a show back. And I don't know how long this will run, but you're just like, I forgot how much I want to spend time with these people. I miss these people. Like all the time. Yeah. And uh, I think that this show might be like the new Friday Night Lights. In terms of how wildly... um, Invested in the characters, how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. It's a little darker than Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights was often very dark. Lantry killed a guy. Yeah, but that was... that was during a writer's strike. Come on. Yeah, you're right. Great point. <laughs> um, and I just was like, oh man, you know, like, because we talked a lot during Succession at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season about like, oh, we're not going to have too many shows like this left where you get to develop a relationship with characters over the course of multiple seasons and you get to that 30, 40, 50 episode mark and you're just like, they're back, they're back. And um, maybe we do. Maybe we still do with the bear. Yeah. I mean, I think specifically with Succession, it was more like the big ticket drama that draws eyeballs that HBO and similar networks of streamers are putting all their juice behind. But what you're saying is right. Like this is TV guys. This is the special sauce that they're no longer serving because the bear is now a fine dining restaurant. Like this is what we tune in for. It's to have these intense relationships with fictional characters in a situation that, yeah. re- that reoccurs over time. And I, I mean, look, I love the first season of the show. I think it was a miracle. And I wish that that was what we talked about when we talk about what we want TV to look like coming mm-hmm. after the strike and what we want these these apparently cash-strapped services to be focusing on. But 
this trailer is such a it's such a gut punch reminder of what makes the show special. And you want to talk soundtrack. I mean, I think you so did it cause physical sensations in my body to hear the power ballad from the middle of Monster <laughs> just dropped into the middle of my day? Yes. Yes, it did, Chris. How many it did. But like, yeah, I, I definitely just then listened to Monster. Well, I, I want to talk. Really, all we want to do is talk about Monster. So <laughs> let's just pretend that we have to pause for a second. Maybe Kyogo gets a soda, and then we just come back, and we've just been talking about it for 30 minutes. I do want to say that one of the secret ingredients of this show is a certain kind of confident shamelessness. Shamelessness, not in a bad sense. But what I love about what Chris Storer and his, I'm sure his music supervisor and the rest of the creative team, what they embrace is something really kind of primal and raw and it's not trying to be cool. And I think that that's at the heart of what the show is. I think it's what the show is about in terms of like finding some truth in the simple act of putting meat on fire. But the needle drops don't don't care. It's like about your play the hits, but play the right hits. Well, they have great taste, but like remember in first season, it was just like, here's some Wilco. Yeah. Here's some, they fucking did Radiohead. Yeah, like they played we talked, Let Down. We talked <laughs> yeah. about this at the time. Like yeah. I think Let Down is probably the best Radiohead song. I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it in a show. I wouldn't put it on a mixtape. Yeah, because I would be like, this is too special and beautiful. And the whole point of sharing your music collection is to hide a little bit and to obscure and to impress. And the show isn't doing that. And it puts Strange Currencies in the middle of this trailer. Yeah, fuck man. I hadn't thought about that song in a while. No, me either. Did this monster, not. As good as we thought it was when it came out, but Monsters got bangers. Doing okay. And it's got a really good aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I like the fact that like the guitar tone is very similar throughout the record. Yeah. You know, because Peter put away the mandolin. And it was obviously very much like about <laughs> somewhere on a sound stage in upstate New York, Adam Scott's ears just perked up. He's <laughs> like, they're doing it. I just want to say that the so the season two seems to be largely about, at least according to the trailer, the ramping up of opening mm-hmm. the bear which is the restaurant that uh they decide to open at the end mm-hmm. of the bear season one that they closed the original beef and then they decide the original burf i believe burf yeah and say. i think that's a pretty ingenious like kind of gambit which is like the first ep- season is about keeping this place open mm-hmm. and the second season is going to be the very distinctive narrative of like how do you open a restaurant how do you get ready to yeah. open a restaurant and all the stress that goes into that so this is 10 episodes that's coming June 22nd. We we talked about this at the time. It'll come up again when we talk about season two, which I can't wait to get into and I can't wait to see. But it really is a remarkable thing because making a show about the food world and restaurants has been a nut people have been trying to crack for years with varying degrees of success and a lot of failures along the way. But when it works, which it does in The Bear, it is exactly what we're all looking for in that it is human-level, character-based, incredibly emotional storytelling that has built-in stakes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find both unless it's, you know, Grey's Anatomy or something. It's usually cop shows, doctor shows, fireman shows. Like, what? how can we put people in situations that feel worthy of our attention but also of making into a TV show? Yeah. And these guys figured it out. I love uh, the show. Uh, so that comes at the end of June on FX, and then I just thought I would mention that justified City Primeval. We- Chris, this is summer of FX. You see, Res Dogs already coming back. In yeah, August. Res Dogs coming back in August, but July eighteenth, they're 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 bringing Raylan back. Okay, so Bear June, mm-hmm. Res Dogs August, and in justified the middle, justified in July. It's justified. Yeah, Let, you take take the floor for a second. Well, 
What can I say, man? Watching that beautiful man hunch over to pick up his cowboy hat in front of a city bus in Detroit, probably a shot in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just really did something to me, you know? And this is an amazing Elmore Leonard novel that they're adapting. Um, the cast which, is incredible. Which does not have Raylan in it. But Doesn't. why not? Pretty easy to slot him in, though. Yes. I can see it, you know? Um, and Boyd Holbrook plays the villain, which is pretty... Powerful stuff to me. Mm-hmm. Big summer for Holbrook. Yeah. Uh, and my Holbrook stock. You know, we're going public. When did you... You got, Oh. Well, because he's in Indiana an Jones, too. He's on the dial of destiny, dog. When did you start to just, you know, put a little... Hoard, Speculative in, kind in, of in like... your portfolio. Just, yeah, uh, Narcos. It wasn't before then? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, it was Narcos, and then it built and built, and he was in Logan, and he was really good in Logan, and then it kept building... The thing is, I remember you coming to me. It was the like summer of 2015, 16, and you were like, Narco! Well, I remember that. <laughs> but then you were like, buy, I suggest, I think Holbrook is a buy. And then I, I went to my, my people in the made-up entertainment stock exchange, and they were like, do you think people are going to be really into like Mark Twain one-man shows? And they like pursued the Hal Holbrook Oh, because they thought it was the Hal Holbrook money, yeah. Yeah, and they were like, okay, I can see he's in Lincoln. <laughs> and I took a bath on it, Chris. I'm not gonna lie Dude, to you. Dude, you bought all that hell. I bought stock. so much. I bought so much stock in a 95 year old man. <laughs> you know, I, I've. Do you ever think about how Daniel Day Lewis just like played Abe Lincoln? I think about that a lot. Yeah. I Is do. that his last? That was his last. No, Phantom Throw was his last role. That's a good thing for you to know, since you will be appearing live at a I Phantom like Thread screening. The, I'd like to talk through my thought process. <laughs> I could have. I could have held it back and checked, but I just wanted to that, talk through it. That doesn't make. That doesn't make good podcasting. Yeah, I, I was. Hey, you guys who listen to this podcast know that I listen to three other podcasts. So you you've recently added one to your rotation. I did. I gave Chris a ride last night and he caught me listening to the most on-brand podcast for me in my 40s, which was uh, On Being with Krista Tippett in NPR <laughs> Studios. I'm just trying to find something true. But I think I already said this on this podcast that my favorite which thing- Which is like Nick Offerman talking about like how he finds God in woodwork or something. Just use your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what are these? That's out for you. Not great. <laughs> Not great. Um, no, we, we said this, that like Tim Blake Nelson was on Marin and he talked about being on the set of Lincoln where everyone had to call Day Lewis Mr. President. Yeah. And if he wore sneakers, he'd be like, what are those contraptions <laughs> on your feet? And apparently Hal Holbrook like came to set and was just like- um, Ah, you know, Danny, great to meet you. And yeah. Spielberg was like, ah, um, Senator or whatever he was playing. Like, we, we, you know, we're doing things a little bit differently here. You know, like the, the president would like to be addressed uh, as, uh-huh. as the president. And he was like, oh, right, 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 right. And he winked. He's like, I get it. He's like, <laughs> Mr. President, you were good as shit in that crippled writer movie. <laughs> or something like that. So he's a good as shit. He's something like he's a ninety-year-old man. Who what does he? Care? But did Hal Holbrook say that was good as shit? Like, was he just like? Do you want to know the truth? God damn, Draymond, you really fucking. <laughs> he basically did your Bernthal. Yeah, he was doing the, he's the OG Wayne Jenkins imitator. So Hal Holbrook doing Wayne Jenkins from We Own the City on the set of <laughs> Lincoln. Not do this. I'm just setting you up. If you had enough Nicorette, you'd do it. You coward, you'd do it. I get it. Um, my point is, nobody listened to that other podcast. Only listen to this one because my version is truer, even if it's not true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you say it's the summer of FX. FX currently has a new show on. Mm. Do you have any other notes on Justified? I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm psyched. Look, did you read City Primeval? I'm in the, reading it right now. How do you feel about it? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I. You guys know this about both of us. It's just like 
there are a lot of books out there and some of them are good and some of them aren't and you should enjoy them. Reading is is indeed fundamental, but Elmore Leonard's the only good writer, really. Like, I think kind the, of really he is. One thing I'd like you to tell the audience about is how mm-hmm. because you listen to nine hours of Bill's Pods a week, you don't I, have time to I listen to. to music or read. Well, yes, <laughs> but now that the Boston Celtics have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals, I can no longer listen to Bill's Podcasts <laughs> for, what, three, four more weeks. So I'm going to get real into books. <laughs> real, 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 real into books. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise. But if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You want to do class of a nine? Yeah, I think, you know, the summer of FX is not emerging from a spring of FX, Uh let's say, right? So we should talk about the show, which is really interesting. All the hallmarks of a show that you and I would be super, super into. Say the, say the. Well, the, Tom Rob Smith, who did London yeah. Spy, who worked on American Crime Story, the Versace, the Versace one, that. is just like a really, really interesting and, and awesome screenwriter. Mm-hmm. 
we already are interested in him. And then Joe Robert Cole, who wrote both Black Panther movies with Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. is one of the directors on this show. It stars Brian Tyree, Henry, Kate Mara, Jake McDormand from, people will know him from uh, Mrs. Davis. Mm-hmm. And can you set this up plot-wise? Well, I mean, I before we even say that, let's say the Hallmark, I mean, it's not just every the names that you're saying but like it's an FBI show right like it's it, it's a it's a crime show it's intriguing it's ambitious it basically tells the story of one class of Quantico graduates who graduate in you're never going to guess what year should I tell them or should we not spoil it <laughs> don't spoil it 1809 that's the surprise yeah no it's it's 2009 and then it tells their story in the past which is as they're uh, at school learning to become uh, federal agents and then it's the the present which is 2023 it is yeah and then uh the future 2034 right and they do some yeoman work de-aging and aging yeah a little bit a little bit and it's a tough one to talk about because i think that it is at once the type of the type of project that we want to throw our support behind and we would like to see the spirit of this made and with people like this getting to have opportunities to do big swing work I think it's also very indicative of where we find ourselves in TV at the moment, where it is just way too much, yeah. way too big, and somehow because of that small at the same time. And you know, I, I want to I want to be careful talking about it because I I was we can list the times that we both were like checking out during the pilot, but by the end of it, I was like, I really admire this. I don't hate it. I'm rooting for it but I don't think it's successful. Yeah, I'd say that it has touches of Alex Garland. It has sure. touches of some of Tom Rob Smith and, and Cole's other work. Cole also worked on, on uh, American Crime Story. I think that it has a kind of icy remove, at least so far, that I understand the approach. And I think that Smith's work maybe actually does lend itself to this. But there's something kind of... Uh, there's something that I think I'm reacting to that I also reacted to in Silo, which is the Apple TV show that we we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though it has happened a lot recently, although I can't think of other examples of it off the top of my head, which is like a almost like a little bit of like a not a desperation, but like a kind of desire to throw your arms around the entire universe in the first 50 minutes of a television show. Well, it comes from genre. It comes from like Lord of the Rings. You know, it's that type of thing where it's just like, we're going to give you a story that exists in the past, present, and future. We're going to give you an entire world and enormous stakes. And then where's the real estate for the character stuff? Yeah, well, it's like, like, I think that, so for instance, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the things that was really interesting about, like after Lost, right? Like the Mm -hmm. reason why Lost was so effective with some of the stuff that it did was that it had at its spine a pretty like, it was Gilgan's Island. You know, like you were pretty like invested in the people who were going through this by the time things get really weird on Lost. Mm -hmm. When you start out a show and because you have to like kind of show your hold cards really fast now and you're like, we're in 2034, we're in 1990, we're in 2009, we're in 2023, like all this is happening and they're talking about AI and they're talking about the characters all are speaking with this like weird kind of distance Mm -hmm. where they're like, you know, describing why they wanted to become federal agents and odd stuff is happening all the time and people are very confessional with one another. I I just think that there's like a desire to like make it everything all at once. Yeah. 
And I wonder whether or not this would have been a story better told, like, in one of the sort of... Yes, it would. Yeah. It would. I mean, I, I look, we don't want to presume anything about the development process. And I also want to be careful when we talk about... Because we're, we're generally talking about the product that's put in front of us, the finished thing. And all sorts of things can conspire to make the finished product not line up with what the creator's initial goals were. And we can't speak to how people feel about how it, how it shook out. And broadly, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, because of a writer's strike, like, I want Tom Rob Smith to be able to walk into rooms in Hollywood and writers like him and say, I've got a big idea and see that idea come to fruition. I think what I'm bumping on with this is that it feels like he had a big idea mm -hmm. to say something about crime fighting and AI and then backfilled it with some characters who could service the big idea that he wanted to tell within the dramatic, tricky and prov thought-provoking dramatic framework that he was committed to trying, which is throughout. Yeah. And as a result of that, you do get, I mean, there's a character named Poet mm -hmm. and there's a character named Hour. I think that if you want us to buy the humanity, just take the note, take the note and change it. Just call her Susan. And then Susan is going through different <laughs> timelines. Her name isn't Poet. But beyond that, I think that's why you have characters who are constantly explaining themselves because there isn't room to show them doing anything. They are, they are not really, at least through the episodes that we've seen, they're not really speaking like people. Mm -hmm. They are delivering exposition appropriate to the context. And then there's a cascading series of decision-making that I find perplexing. Like, you know, of course, the 2034 AI stuff is filmed in a way that is sleek and minority report-esque. Yeah. And when Poet, played by Kate Mara, whom I love in pretty much everything, goes to her 2034 apartment, it is like space Ikea, and there's a giant crystal bowl full of green apples. Mm -hmm. And I, all I could do was look at that bowl. And I don't mean to harp on the production designers, but I was like, what, what is this telling us about Poet of the and Future? We, you know, we may find out in episode four that the, the apples are very important. The apples might be um, right. They might be where the microphones are hidden to track her movements. Yeah. But it's also like <laughs> not, someone not was just like, make this place look sleek. Yeah. Are they fake apples? Who would live like that? I don't know. It's just, these are the things that I do get hung up on when the construction is so, um, it's constructed. It's smooth and glassy and you can't really grab onto anything to be like, I am connecting in this moment to the anguish of this character in this moment in her journey. And then the, the, for me, the, the most difficult thing is everyone here knows and they certainly know it on the Eternal subreddit where I am an active poster. About how you feel about Brian Tyree Henry? I, I think Brian Tyree Henry is maybe my favorite working actor. He's certainly in the top five. I would, I'd love to watch him do anything. Up there with President Abraham Lincoln playing a crippled writer? Yes. Yeah. He was <laughs> President Abraham Lincoln. He's in that movie Phantom Thread. Did you know that? <laughs> I mean, he has he, an interesting he's taste so much for fun great guy. work. Yeah. It's ironic because he died in the theater, you know? Well. <laughs> I, and then to go on and do so much amazing work. <laughs> You know, if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Um, <laughs> Is it too soon to be making Abraham Lincoln jokes? I'm not sure. We, let's pull the room, Kyat. How do you do? You think has the statute of limitations passed? <laughs> I think it's like fair game. Yeah, no. me too. It's been a, it's been a bit. I think also it's okay now because the country is is healed. Yeah, we're in a really good <laughs> I think, place. Right I now. just feel like nationally we've never been more. Yeah, it's true. 
on the it's same true. page, both in terms of our body politic, but also in terms of our love of theater. Yeah, and even like the uh, geographically speaking, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. the, the the thing that he united, there's no no fracture lines there. I can't even <laughs> tell where the line was yeah. anymore. Um, I, Brian Tyree Henry is just, I just, there's just so much depth in everything he does. And I appreciate the special effect of having him play a character in this larger piece where there's not much room to have character. But it seems like a wasted opportunity, you know, and for Kate Mara too. I, I I wonder, and I think people might accuse us of this, of dismissing the show slightly because of its just wild drive-by on the city of Philadelphia. I mean, the, the it's, it hasn't been my favorite last couple of days having to answer questions about Philadelphia. So yes. <laughs> Both from Game 7 and Trading Places and <laughs> and this. Yeah, Bill made a real, uh, just like kind of aside about Philadelphia food. Yeah. Which is incredible. Philadelphia food is it's one of the best food cities in the country. Yes. Now, we're shocked about this. We and I'll tell you where like I that. couldn't find a good meal yeah. to save my life. Boston, Massachusetts. There was some pretty good cheesy eggs at that one diet. Yeah, but that was like... And then uh, Charlie, he's referring to Charlie's. Andy's talking about Charlie's, yeah. a diner that is in Back Bay, I yeah. think, still. And uh, famously has a picture of the deceased rapper Tim Dog yeah. on, the, on the wall. And the, the, the signature on the actual picture in reference to his iconic single mm-hmm. says, Fuck Compton. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he wanted to be remembered. I want people ate their next time if friends. you go into a restaurant, you get recognized, and God, you know, if somebody at, yeah. like Rayos asks you to like sign a picture, please write "fuck Compton." I think I know that would be a little bit problematic doing that in L.A. Yes, but I wouldn't get the blowback Nathan Fielder would. <laughs> so, right? I can't tell where, where this bit starts and ends anymore. <laughs> Just like the brilliant television show, the rehearsal. Um. So, yes, I I think. I don't know. I want to have something more thoughtful to say about this idea that like, I think that there's a lot of pressure to build worlds and build timelines out. And I think that there is a version of Class of 09 that's a little bit tighter and a little bit more focused that I find is really interesting. This is not unlike the FX show from last year that we had a very hot and heavy courtship with the old man. Mm -hmm. And then like went out to get cigarettes and never came back on that show. That fell off a cliff. And a little bit of the reason why is because they also were like, we need to tell the past story with the same urgency that we're telling the present story because they're somehow interlinked, which I got how they were interlinked, but it was like a real momentum killer to constantly be cutting back and forth. I feel like they do that on Silo a little bit with some of the flashbacks. Like, maybe, I, maybe I, I'm just not a flashback guy. Well, I, I'm not a flashback guy. I had a no flashbacks rule when I had a writer's room. But I, I, I think... I think you got to tell the story you want to tell. Find a story worth telling in the timeline that you're existing yes. in. Yes. But I also think that, I, I think the reason why we're spending so much time talking about the show, which, you know, again, it, it has an interesting cast. It has a lot of, it, it has interesting ideas. It is not dismissible. No. Um, nor should it be. It's but, also really interesting. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I mean, like, I'm interested in the subject matter of the show. I was happy uh, to see Raul Castillo. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, as yeah. Uh, Amos. Yeah. That guy. I, I do think it's interesting to talk about, though, for the reasons that you're bringing up, which is, what does it take to get something made these days, and how do you execute it? And I think we have really tilted too far in the direction of, we have to tell you a whole world, and we have to get you completely yeah. invested in everything about it, because it, it has to be galactic stakes for it to matter. That ties into kind of what well, we're saying Well, maybe it's also because like, you keep making shows, people keep making shows about situations, scenarios that take a lot of explaining. Yeah, it takes six different beginnings to get, I mean, Silo does that too, yeah. right? It's like, this happened, but you need to know about this, but really, we don't know who built the silo. Yeah. And guess what? It's like, take a breath, start, find your starting point, 
and then let's go. I also think wow, that... you really have to listen to Krista Tippett. <laughs> well, I do it with my hands. So that's where it starts. Um, I also think, and I, I can't speak to this directly, but I wonder if the FX of it kind of matters here a little bit too, which is to say that to stand out on FX or FX on Hulu, they have to be twice as good or at least you know, exponentially noisier to stand out. They you don't think so? I, I do think that they find themselves in an interesting place in the market in the market where, you know, no executive team is as respected or has such a good track record or is as committed to doing interesting work, frankly, just from the results uh, as FX. Maybe H- HBO and FX are really the gold standard for that. And I would have said that even before Showtime just greenlit more Nurse Jackie and also Weeds with like a couple extra But in, in Copenhagen. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Sorry. Let me, I retract that. Um, Let me read you what FX but, has coming this next couple of oh, months. But, but, my point, but I want you to do that. But I, Because this is, this is germane because you're saying like, only HBO does a better job in curating okay. their stuff. Like we said, Justified. Like we said, The Bear is coming back. Like we said, Reservation Dogs is Amazing. coming back. I also love the fact that they kind of split the difference with the one and doneness of some of, of, of other networks or mm-hmm. the fickleness where what we do in the shadows returning in July for its fifth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Archer already renewed for returning six. on uh, August 30th for its 14th season. It's always sunny in Philadelphia returning on June 7th for its 16th season. I mean, so this is like a real commitment to like letting good comedies mm-hmm. run for as long as they want, which I fucking love that. Their half hour stuff is unparalleled. Yeah. And then uh, you know, Dave has come off of like another critically acclaimed season. I didn't, I haven't got a chance to check it out. And, you know, and then they have like this like mix of new shows, like the Full Monty series, which is actually reuniting that cast, Ooh, which is pretty cool. And it's eight episodes that comes back in June. So it's like, I think that their vision for what they're doing is really like on point. I just think that this show is an interesting case study in what sometimes needing to be everything all ever, uh, as soon as you come out of the gate kind of does to stories. I also wonder about budget. And, you know, I that's not necessarily our business on this end of it, but it's trying really hard and doing good work to sell these actors, to sell the world, to sell the production, the design, and the aesthetics of each thing. I mean, it's shot, it's lit differently depending what era you're in, et cetera, et cetera. But you compare that to something like Perry Mason, which is not nearly as ambitious as this is. But Perry Mason is just like, fuck it, we're just doing 100% this. Mm -hmm. We are a period piece. We are old-fashioned TV, but we're going to make everything look like multiple millions of dollars. Right. And you're in. Whereas this one gets stuck to me, it's a little bit of a tweener. Like the I, the pitch, you know, and again, this is an imperfect vessel for this argument because Tom Rob Smith is an interesting idiosyncratic writer. So it's not like this was fobbed off on him or he was just, you know, just peddling it around town or whatever. But I think that this idea, but I mean, the pitch does seem like something on ABC from 15 years ago. You know, like Quantico, like something happens in the future, but these people are going to have to stop it. And this could run forever. Oh, yeah. This could be that show. This is not. This is the prestige, much more interesting version of it that's cast up a little bit and classed up a little bit, class of 09'd up a little bit. But it doesn't quite get there for me because it doesn't look as good as it needs to to be convincing just for what it is. So you're kind of left, you kind of fall in between the cracks. I don't know. I, 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 it's hard to, we, we can move on because we clearly don't love the show, but we, I mean, I'm glad that it exists. But I also don't know. Do you think know, you'll give it, you'll, can, you'll check back in on it? I might because of the actors and because of the pedigree. Yeah. And because it is not, I want to stress this enough. I can't stress this enough. It's not bad. I don't think it works. 
But I also can't help but think about this. I'm curious what we will, what this show will look and feel like a year from now, hopefully on the other end of a strike and with some reshuffling in the, in the industry. Will this be the type of, quote unquote, don't quote me on this, but will people consider it a misfire that was part of the excesses that have been addressed or reapportioned because of the labor unease and the recalibration of the industry? Or was this, um, you know, just business as usual? Yeah. Like they're going to keep trying to take these sort of big swings and package things. And when they don't work, you move on to the next one. I don't, I don't know. But it feels, there's something about this that, 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 that I bumped on and, and want to stick on. I don't know why. I want to ask you. some of the other you, shows that we haven't covered. So I want to ask you a question about, and in, I know that you get bullshit for this, but in all honesty, like, yeah. how, how do you f- sort of decide, like, I'm out, like, on a show? Is it, because, like, a lot of it comes down to, I think, like, a taste that's almost visceral. You know, like yeah. I think for everybody, it's just like oh, I do or don't like something. The reason I'm asking you about this is because I wanted to talk to you about Jury Duty, yeah, which is a show that I think is just fucking incredible. I thought it was it was probably the most fun I've had watching a TV you're, show this year. You're not alone. The first time I heard about it was when we were walking into this room to talk to Damon Lindelof and Tara Hernandez, and they were talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and Zakaya also watched it. She loved it. Did you finish it? Yeah, I just finished it. Yeah, it was really fun. And. I know that this sounds funny, but it is not dissimilar to Class of 09 in that it is pretty high concept. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know, it's a show on Freebie. It's kind of a docuseries where the show's idea is a guy named Ronald is called for jury duty. He arrives. What he doesn't know is that every single person involved in the jury, in this case, in the jury and the judge, the lawyers, everything, are actors. Mm-hmm. And that he is it's part of an experiment essentially and is being filmed from all these elaborate different like hidden camera angles and that there's this cast of this ensemble that is basically improvising with him and uh, most notably James Marsden is part of this cast he's playing James Marsden who is called in for jury duty but also Kirk Fox who was on Briar Patch right yes he was I love Kirk and uh, a couple of other people that you may know but like obviously if you're not like hardcore TV watcher, you probably wouldn't be like, haven't I seen you before? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and isn't it weird that there are, there's a few actors that I do <laughs> on this on this show? Um, and Kirk Fox plays like a trucker. Like he's not playing Kirk Fox being called to jury duty. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that seems true to Kirk, but yes. Um, and w- so you basically, you start and there's the initial kind of like, whoa, this is, and not unlike watching a Nathan Fielder show, you are like, boy, this concept is really like mm-hmm. far out there. And then in the episodes between, I would say, two and and the finale, it essentially turns into Parks and Rec, Hmm. where you're like, I love these people. This is so fucking funny. There are so many funny things that happen in the the series, especially a trip to Margaritaville that I I think is like one of the highlights of the TV year so far. But I know that for you, any kind of like manipulation, hidden camera, Prank. prank stuff, it's not a prank though. Yeah. It's a test in some ways. Mm. You don't like it. I don't like that stuff. I know. I, I mean, this also comes from uh, Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stubnitsky, who have a great resume of comedy on TV, worked on The Office. Um, to, to, so the, the first question was like, when am I out on something? Like, it's really time management. Sure. You know, like Class 09 has enough things on the margins that I'm interested in that I would... If you know, if there wasn't more TV coming next week that we want to cover or ought to cover, that I would just keep dipping back in. Yeah, I was really, I, I just got to be honest with you guys. It's just something you know. You know what else I don't like? I don't like melon that much. Melon? Like, yeah, like cantaloupe. 
Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay. maybe like prosciutto with it. Like, I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't say like, oh, I don't like certain foods. Like, I'll eat it. Yeah. It's just not my favorite flavor. Okay. And that's kind of the reaction I had when I turned this on, where I was like, I see. And I didn't get to the funny, fun, super funny episodes. I watched the first one. I, there's something about the nature of like improv. We're all in on this and you're not. That just gives me hives. Interesting. I, just, I don't like the feeling. It's almost like you were kidnapped by an improv group at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, you know I did sketch, which was very, very different. You were quite good. <laughs> Everyone was drunk. Um, but yeah, I can't... Uh, I, please. I mean, I, I assume some of our listeners are trained psychotherapists and can analyze me through the microphone about why this makes me uncomfortable. I have things that I'm like, I can't do this. I'm trying to think of what they are off the top of my head. I, I, I make it through this podcast without nicotine. That's a really... That's number one. <laughs> number one with a bullet. I, 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 Does it seem like I have like the... No, but it's edgy. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, I, I, yeah, I just... There's something about it where I'm like, everybody's doing a bit. And like, I, I just kind of wish they were either acting or not. And I feel bad for the guy being like, whoa, these guys, everyone's being weird. I, I just, I just don't take pleasure. If I told in it. you that it had a much bigger heart than that, would it make, make a difference to you? I guess like, it's I not about that. like, look at this weirdo. It's about like, no, no. And everyone seemed to be having a good time with their things and he was enjoying everybody. And yeah, James Marsden seemed nice as James Marsden. Um, but, I don't know. I, I wanted to sit down with you and be like, TV's next great comedic sensation. <laughs> we're kingmakers here. I love doing that. I don't think so. We're just running through some shows, man. That's what we're doing yeah. here. This, you want to talk this about something a, I, you you love? Yeah, because I hate, you know, I this was probably the first time I've ever been a buzzkill on this podcast, and it feels weird. Yeah, I know. Um, you want to talk about Barry? Yeah, speaking of buzzkills, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think I need a second. I'm going to uh, pretend to go to Europe tonight. Uh-huh. And then tomorrow I'm going to show up in your house <laughs> wearing a black knit gimp outfit. I, oh my God, that was incredible. Like, it, there's something... Spoilers for Barry, by the you way. You were talking about Barry. I, before we get into like the real darkness on the edge of town here that is this show, I was trying to like... Because, you know, last week we, we talked about Barry in the podcast and it's like a tourist this. And generally we're kind of anti that and I'm very anti that in terms of like I think a lot of the best TV comes from collaboration and people yeah. making ideas better but I also from experience not you know doing sketch comedy which thank you again for mentioning mm-hmm. that. I think it's important we circle back later um, but one of the most challenging relationships that that I had making a show is just getting on the same page and communicating with directors because you can have and not just directors, anyone. I mean, maybe this is something that happened with Tom Rob Smith in Class of 09. Who knows? It's like, you can see it. The melody works in your head, mm-hmm. right? And then and then often, I think the ideas are, are changed, but improved upon by letting other people come in and play and add what they see to it. But there's something to be said for the complete aesthetic purity of vision that Bill Hader is executing here, where he's just like, I know what this is going to feel like. Mm-hmm. I know what it's going to feel like for Sally to be zonked on vodka and oj and walking through her ghost house and then actually just, she's gotten her son drunk i'm so not ready to talk about crying that yet. not ready to talk about that yet <laughs> put a pin in that and then throw that pin into the ocean forever but he showed us something that we have not seen before right in terms of just what this is gonna how it's gonna be funny and awful and scary but not you know that is purely non-ai one human being and the communicating it 
because he is both writing and directing it. And it doesn't always work that way. And I just feel like we are getting this raw uncut from someone's sensibilities on the show increasingly as we go towards the end game. And every episode, there's just a way of seeing something that I haven't really seen before. It wasn't just like the, the, the dude in the gimp suit or like Andy Serkis with the ping pong balls taken off. Yeah. It was the, I think that was that was Bevel from last yeah, it week. Was. Yeah, yeah, right. But it was the shot of the Raven, freshly released from prison. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, While the wizard by Black Sabbath played. <laughs> arriving at NoHo Hank's headquarters. And that framing establishing shot where they found these glass buildings and they got the sky looking like that the moment that the clouds were reflected in the building and not. And, they, and he holds that shot. I'm like, you could be with six brilliant writers brilliant directors, production designers, and location scouts. I don't know how you find it and make that moment, that one single moment happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just something really special happening on this show as long as we don't talk about what happened in that house. Okay, so let's talk <laughs> no, about... We can, what, but... The fucking sickest thing that I've seen in a long time that also made me laugh since the episode of Succession on Sunday yeah. was the woman being like, you have to look at these pictures of what bullet wounds do, and Barry being like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then what's behind him in the shot? <laughs> Stuffed animals and the kid, the kids' fucking toy section. How about what was the casting like? What was what did Hater tell his casting people about the woman who works at the coffee bean and tea leaf and not Starbucks oh, yeah. by the way? Yeah, the, who then, the Raven's girlfriend who rolls with him and then his her daughter who goes to Pepperdine <laughs> and Noah Hanks like good school. It's still she majors in agriculture. It's still so funny. I know it's so funny, but I can't believe the third rail of emotional no, storytelling. Like, I want you to do security on my f- properties in Beechwood fucking Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, the, this son, this boy loves his dad so much. Yeah. It's really horrifying. It's horrifying what happens in that house. You know, it's really dark in a way that most shows are not willing to even pretend to be dark. I made the same analogy last week, but it's one thing for succession to be like, after we've met them and we've seen them, we understand the damage for, for Roman to be like, you put me in a dog cage or whatever. Yeah. And everyone's like, ha ha, you loved it. Okay, maybe. Maybe he did love it. We don't know. We don't know. It's like North Korea, right? It's like what, what, uh, uh, <laughs> Connor, says. what Connor says about North Korea. We just don't know. Yeah. But we are seeing in real time horrific abuse of a child on the show that also has the raven being written on a mochaccino cup. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. Really interesting kind of structuring of a season where this is very much a, I think will probably feel like a two-part episode with the subsequent episode, which I have not seen, but Mm -hmm. just like everything about it felt like it was building towards something that's going to happen in the next episode. You know? We too, and we're just going to, you know, I I don't know why I'm going to be like, hey, so spoilers, we've just only been talking about the specifics. But at the end, when Janice's father, the great Robert Wisdom, Pulls the Kidnaps bag off of Barry's Barry, head. Yeah, I, I see. He's also shaved him because Hater looks like young Hater. Yeah, so it's not like there's that same moment that I had with the time jump two episodes ago, where I was like, "Is this a dream?" Is this? I mean, I, and I think because we were in Sally's POV as the house was being lifted off of its flimsy axis, that like this is this is real. Yeah, I think that it's real the way the tiger is real with Hank. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. seem real. Yeah. It, it seems slightly like. It seems like it has dream logic, but I think it's real. I think everything has moved forward. I don't think Barry is dreaming 
in four different storylines and then is woken up by Robert Wisdom in his garage? That's not, a really good question. I didn't notice that. But not every show can do this and not every show ought to do this because I want I don't want to get away from the opening point we made in the podcast, which is just like what works on TV is the bear or Parks and Rec or Lost. You know, you care about a group of people and you can't wait to follow them through their precarious ABNC situation. Plots, yeah. um, but there is still somehow this interesting subseller of TV, which is, which is, sorry, I mean, I hate that I'm saying this, but it is kind of doing cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, is giving me the full aesthetic teleportation that great movies do. And I think of Res Dogs, and I think of Barry. Um, Copenhagen Cowboy. Copenhagen. I mean, what, I always think of that, which I imagine ties into Weeds season 14, <laughs> right? That's Copenhagen Cowgirl. That's right. Um where it's just lifting me out of any reality I knew about and putting me fully into it. And that, you can't do that with a silo construction. Mm -hmm. That's not fair to compare those things. They are not trying to do the same thing, and there's room on TV for both. But there is an... Copenhagen Cowboy is the example of, I don't know how... Look, earmuffs President Lincoln. (laughs) But there are some divisions in this country between haves and have-nots and a whole lot of other things. And I don't really want... The TV I want is not one where there is only Silo or Copenhagen Cowboy. Yeah. Can, can we get a little... Can we mix them up a little bit? Can we put some Copenhagen in the Silo? Make it weirder. Make Silo weirder. Give me some, like, richly imagined, subjective And make Copenhagen stuff. Cowboy more understandable? Um, Just send it all out to die in a field. I like the entire... The entire sort of buffet of spices. You know? Yeah, but I don't... But, I, but, but you're it, the master spice builder. You're looking to get all the spices together to make the perfect spice, you know? Isn't that Dune too? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the perfect spice? It, it's just... It's, do you think this has been a negative episode of The Watch? I think we've been trending neg? Huh. I mean, and do you think it's because of... Do you think it's because Lincoln's no longer our president? I think it's because of the NBA. I think it's because Doc it Rivers be is at, no longer our It coach. might be because I only slept two hours last <laughs> night. It might be because I haven't had enough... Uh, nicotine uh, to regulate my brain chemistry. How many episodes of On Being are you going to just preload onto your phone for your You know flight? who else likes podcasts? Barry. <laughs> Barry really likes podcasts. <laughs> to tell him what he wants to hear. That really... Because we hung out IRL last night and so you yeah. caught... Like, I think that's what I... I was doing a Barry with yeah. Nick Offerman and Woodworking yeah. out in front of the At bar. At least it wasn't Bill Burr being like, it's okay to kill people because <laughs> it's God's plan. <laughs> that's true. I don't think it was... I don't know. I don't think Did you know a, that was Bill Burr. Um, no. Do you want to talk about that? Bill Burr's comedy, or just Bill Burr appearing on Barry? Did Did you in the moment? Did it? Did it? I did find you, Bill Burr has a very distinctive voice. I can pick it up, pick it out of a crowd because of his performance on The Mandalorian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of things that we just went to get smokes, should we call that the like? Yeah, what? <laughs> I went to go pick up milk and never came back. Yeah, it's like remember remember the episode of Mad Men, the when, absentee father award for shows that we just completely stopped talking about. When Don is just drinking beer in the garage during Sally's birthday, and then he just gets in the car, and I think then he just like goes and bangs a teacher. Like, doesn't that that episode? I can't remember. But it happens could, a lot. In Mad but then, Men. Could, then then unlike us with the Man, with Mandalorian, he came back with a dog. Oh yeah, that's family. right. That's right. Stinking of gin, right? We're still driving, and uh, I, I, didn't, feel, I didn't finish the that, that season of Mandalorian yeah, me either. Look, look, look me in the eye and tell me that again. I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't know. finish it. I don't. I, 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 I think it just got too into its own, its own stuff. Like I just don't care about Mandalore. I don't know what the way is anymore. Did you know that there were space whales there, though? 
Are, are there? Oh no, they're in space. No, it's in the it's in the pit where they're like, oh, you have to go the, get baptized. Oh, there's in magic this, dinosaurs in this pool. down there. Yeah, we're good. And there's a mythosaur down That's there. That's what it was called. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good. I I don't know if this is a. I thought I had fun doing this episode, but I I hope people aren't like these guys fucking hate TV. No, I think this is an important. Like we'll look back on this episode. This is a process episode. You know, sure. like this is we're becoming something different now. Um, I think <laughs> I think. <laughs> Don't make it sound like we're the character in <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Or I think something. that I think that when you come back from this trip, <laughs> detoxed from nicotine, uh-huh. I, I like the spirit of being like we're just we're just getting in the car. Yeah, but we're, dri- we're driving away. I feel like we did a good job getting through some shows here, you know. And I wanted to like Class of Nine more. I obviously did like Jury Duty a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is, is Kaya just excited thinking about what the headline of this podcast is going to be? <laughs> the Bear Season Two is back. <laughs> As is Honest Abe. <laughs> I think if the title of this podcast was What Would Lincoln Watch? <laughs> it would do numbers. I think... Maybe that's a good thought experiment for us. Abe Lincoln reincarnated right now. Or just No, not even reincarnated. Like reanimated. Like frozen caveman lawyer. And we're like, Abe, a lot of th- stuff has happened in TV since you were dead before it was invented. Yeah. Now you're here. By the way, there's a strike. Mm-hmm. But... Have, you know, take take a minute, take a beat. I want to diff- let me know what you think of Class of Nine. I want to. <laughs> no, no, no! <laughs> Blood's been spilt. But do it as Burnthal, please. I can't. Right, I don't fine. know. I, it's like, I, 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 I just think I, I, we get. You some- will procure <laughs> me those votes. There it is. There it is. Didn't know I was dealing with super press. Yeah. Um. I. I think we get. You know, we do get letters. We get feedback. And I think the feedback is generally about how we don't watch TV shows and or what my hair looks like. So I do think that this time I want to know from the hardcore listenership is not what they think of Class of 09. It's just I, if you appreciate... Class of 09 has like a 55% Metacritic. I think we're cool. probably within... Okay. We're in the... We're not shifting the Overton window no. on Class of 09. I here. just want to know that we're still like touching... Our feet are on the ground. So if you appreciate Victor Wembenyama mm-hmm. and Hal Holbrook, just just... Stand up and walk now towards us. <laughs> Thanks to Kai McMullen for right. producing us. We're going to, I'm going to say that we are going to be back on Sunday night for succession. Uh, I'm going to be, Kai and I are going to be here. We're, we're excited about you. Are you going to be recording from here? Copenhagen Cowboy. No, uh, we're going to be here. We're going to be in front of mics. Like we're going to. Oh, but you're going to come in to do it? I, we haven't talked to, look, Kai and I, we're, we have our own plans now. Okay. <laughs> go, go, go get a cart, carton of milk. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Sunday night. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.